This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, available now online for you to learn at your own pace with a certificate available upon completion. Click the link in the show notes to access today for just 50 euros. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map It Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode three of our five-part series where we are talking about the changing dynamics of the coffee supply chain. And we have David here, and David, we are talking today about the price of coffee, which is probably the most disturbing and the most complicated part of this uh, agricultural product that is so complex to produce and so complex to get around the world. And the price of it is so difficult to understand because every time it changes hands, the price of it changes so dramatically that, you know, people have this understanding of, oh, by the time it gets to the consumer, it's, it's such a profitable product. Having a, have, going into the coffee business at the cafe end Super profitable, right? Like it, coffee just costs uh, like a dollar a pound, two dollars a pound. Then you know that's like you can get a whole cup uh, for five dollars. So there's there must be so much money in coffee. Tell us about how not true that is, and tell us where all the problems <laughs> in the pricing are. Go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I think it's a uh, coffee because. So many people in the world drink it. It's kind yeah. of an armchair economist dream, right? Uh-huh. Um, where, well, and I'll say this, you know, I wouldn't recommend anybody get into any business in the coffee supply chain. Correct. I think they're all really hard, <laughs> you know? Correct. Uh, every time somebody comes to me and says, oh, I want to open a cafe. I'm like, okay, how much money do you think that cafes make? And they're like, oh, you know, 70%, 80%. I've had people tell me 700%. And then I tell them it's about 3% net profit if you're doing well. Right. And they're like, oh, that's yeah. not possible. But that's what it is, folks. Well, yeah, I always, I always had this. So we had a... Uh, we dabbled in a coffee shop in that business um, in in Atlanta, and mm. um, I always did some rough math of okay, the build out if it costs five hundred thousand dollars, right, uh, for the coffee shop build yeah. out, what I, which I think is more than most people would expect it to be. People can obviously get that number down, and your margin on a cup of coffee is at best a dollar. It might be less by by a large oh. margin. You have to sell five hundred thousand cups of coffee in order to make up your initial investment. Yeah. And there's, you know, in Atlanta, at least there's a couple million people, but you'd have to really take on that entire market, right? Um, yeah. Which is near impossible for a local shop. So it's just from that level, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, it's just a tough business. It's just a tough business to be in. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense to actually open a cafe, given that most markets are saturated. And when I speak to very successful people on this podcast who own very successful cafes, they say, we're doing amazingly. I'm like, talk to me about profit. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. That's not why we're in this. We're not in this for profit. I'm like, okay, so this is a like a theme that we're going through. It seems that at both ends of the supply chain, nobody's making any money. <laughs> yeah. So we did this analysis throughout the – the like the time that this podcast has been happening we've been trying to figure out who's making all of the money in the coffee supply chain 
And it turns out that it's nobody that's actually in the coffee supply chain. It's landlords and it's banks. Yeah. Surprise. They're making and, and you could probably say that about a lot of different inter- industries, right? Right. It, where where um, small business is, is at the focus. Um, now, you guys are dealing in technology with regards to the pricing of coffee. Like this is, this is your wheelhouse. This is something that you guys are, are really focusing on quite a lot. What can you tell us about the price of coffee from at the producing end? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I think we have to look backwards to look forwards on this a little bit, um, especially since the future is so volatile and unpredictable in some regards, especially when you're talking about something as simple as price, right? So much goes into the ter- determination of price. Well, coffee has, has historically had the C price, right? The C market price is, has been the determining factor, and it's broadly irrelevant. Um, in the industry, um, it's only it's uh, well, I'll say this. It's only relevant to the to the relevance that the market gives it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, it represents um, the last I checked and I could be fuzzy on these figures, but the last I checked, it represents about 10 percent of the volume traded in the coffee industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're talking about 90 percent of the volume of coffee, coffee traded is not represented in the C price at all. And the other portion of this is it's a it's one price to rule them all. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's. There's no, uh, there's no uh, quantifiable uh, uh, interpretation of region, varietal, quality, um, processing method, story, marketing effort of the coffee. Mm-hmm. There's none of that's included in the price that is the C market price, right? And so some people might argue, well, you know, David, there's differentials on top of the C market price, and that takes care of all that, right? Well, that's fine, but differentials have historically had an inverse relationship with the C price. So as the C market price moves up, differentials kind of get squeezed, mm-hmm. right? They don't they don't move up in correlation with the C market price, which would be fine if you're talking about a fixed price that is a sustainable fixed price for coffee producers, but we're often not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the reality. Um, and so uh, I think those are some of the things that we can look at in the past. And I think the other troubling fact in the historical data is that Prices tend to uh, prices tend to stick in coffee within a particular range, mm-hmm. um, and you say, "Well, that's great. Coffee prices are, you know, they're not as volatile as we think. So that's that's great. Uh, we can move forward." But the problem there is uh, there's this thing called inflation mm-hmm. um, that moves up over time, and so if you adjust the price of coffee for inflation, um, coffee producers, as it gets more expensive to produce coffee. Um, uh, their their prices are moving rapidly downward year over year. And they might not even notice because it's the same as it was 20, 30 years ago, but it's not the same adjusted. Yeah, folks, to give you some idea of like the variability of this, I did some analysis to look at like the highs and lows over the last five years. So the over the last five years, the lowest the C price has gone is 91. And that was in 2019. And the highest it got to was a smidge under 240. And right now it's at around $1.87. Like the volatility of this and people are meant to base a livelihood on this while we're in the middle of geopolitical mess all over the world in a part of the world that, you know, really does control a lot of the inputs that go into coffee producing. And so as these prices are so volatile and the inputs are going up like hundreds of percents 
over the last couple of years. None of this makes for good business or stable business, right, David? No, I mean, margins are getting squeezed on both ends. Um, you know, there are models out there that people are exploring. You know, Heifer has done a, um, a white paper on verified living income in, mm. in Colombia. And so that's a cost plus model, which has how, its how advantages. How does that work? Basic, what they do is they look at the cost of production of a coffee farmer, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, I'm going to look at the profit and loss statement of a coffee farmer, right? Do um, most of them so, have them? No, they don't. So they have to start. They have to start tracking this information. So say, okay. hey, we're going to put a, a basic accounting system on a coffee farm, and we're going to look okay. at all the costs that go into uh, a coffee farm. And then they say, okay, well, your cost of goods sold, or your cost of production is X, and we think that people should pay above X. And so it starts to become this kind of cost plus sort of oh, pricing okay. model. And okay. um, which which has its benefits, the risk to it, the benefit is it's it's you're all in theory, you would always be making money as a coffee farmer, some amount of money. The risk is that uh, is that there is no opportunity beyond that. Right. It's mm. I'm always able to survive, but there is no opportunity beyond just basic survival, which is a huge issue. The other problem is, is, you know, I don't know if farmers are reading the white paper from Heifer, um, meaning okay. you might just be providing more and more information to buyers and then saying, well, I know your cost of production is, you know, $2 yep. per pound. You know, you should be happy if I pay you 201. It's late right. in the season, <laughs> right. which, is, which is not the right approach. No. And it's kind of underhanded. Yeah, it, it is. But it's, it's, they're incentivized to do that, right? I mean, as, as traders mm -hmm. and brokers, import, and, I, and I understand that. Um, I, I do. Uh, but it, it's not a good way to move the industry forward. No. Um, and so we need to return some of that, again, this information and negotiating power back to farmers if we can. And mm -hmm. pricing plays a huge role uh, in that um, and, is, and is oftentimes determined on how much information the coffee farmer has, right? Where do we turn this story around like what is going to be the thing that makes people realize that they have to pay more for coffee uh i yeah i don't i don't know if there's a a lever or a um or an you know, event yeah an event that could occur um to turn the whole thing around i mean a lot of this is just global economics what we're trying to pour into is Tivo, and i can only speak for ourselves because this is a massive question and a massive mm. market and and a lot of different dynamics going on but what we're trying to pour into from Tivo is this idea that we need to move away from the sea market to some regard um and um, i don't know if there's going to be a lot of arguments against that um because it's just not a great pricing tool um it's, it's just not taking into consideration so many of the factors that should be considered mm -hmm. when producing uh, you know, a dynamic product, agricultural product like coffee. So what we're doing is um, we're trying to give uh, producers the information on the actual value of the product, right? You know, is it, you know, how much is part of that is cost of production information. So how much does mm -hmm. it cost to produce it? But a lot of it is what does the demand side of the equation look like? And can you start to map that? And so this is why I'm really excited about auctions, for instance, mm. and auctions have gotten a bad name in the coffee industry in, in some ways, because most people associate it with either really, really high-end coffee auctions, which we participate in and, and we host, um, 
Diego's one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one uh, is government hosted auction. So something like the auction system in Kenya, right? And mm-hmm. and that's controlled by the government and, and people don't necessarily uh, agree always with how those types of auctions are run and how good they are for the market. But what I love about auctions is you can map the supply and the demand curve perfectly in auctions. So and it's happening in real mm-hmm. time. And so if we can start to establish more of this kind of frictionless transaction or sort of automating parts of the supply chain that generally take a lot Mm -hmm. of thinking, there's a lot of obscurity or wizard behind the current kind of activity and just make all of that information transparent, I think we start to move away from the C market price. So that's our hope is that, um, but that that will be a slow progression. That will likely happen over years. Um, If I were to guess, hopefully it'll happen over years, not decades, but I think we're in a great position now with the world being a smaller place and technology playing a role uh, that we can start making efforts in that direction. And that's what we're trying to do. Tell me what you think about the idea of transparency when it comes to pricing. It's So this is another uh, probably sensitive topic for coffee producers and for coffee mm-hmm. buyers, they may not even realize that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So coffee buyers are in a position where they say, well, transparency to them may just be a marketing tool, right. be a fully transparent supply chain. So this idea of direct trade, mm-hmm. and we could get into a, probably a whole nother podcast on mm-hmm. what does direct trade even mean and how do you manage that? And, you know, um, is that benefit for, beneficial for farmers? But to avoid all that, um, it's a marketing term uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, for buyers. And um, for producers, they hear transparency and in my experience, they hear an additional tax or additional cost that they have to incur because transparency costs them something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't just magically happen. You have to track things and, and tracking things can be expensive. And so it's another layer of costing on an all, already really expensive um, you know, business effort. And complex, <laughs> and so, right? Like where are you tracking the traceability, the, the transparency from? Is it... Like there's so many different points at where it gets on the boat where the number is different. So where are you determining the price that the farmer gets? I I mean, this idea of- At what point? Yeah, yeah. Is it when when people say, oh, that's the farm gate price. Well, where's the farm gate? You know what I mean? Like it's different in Rwanda than it is in Guatemala. And uh, who are you deciding is the common point? Is it the person who picks it, like the farmer who produces it? Is it the kiote that's carrying it? Is it the mill that's milling it? Like where are we determining where the actual farm gate is the price that you're figuring it out from? And who is making that decision? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, generally, the people making that decision are the people uh, purchasing the coffee or trying to market the coffee, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So the roaster might make that decision or the importer or maybe the cafe will make that decision and they'll define, you know, uh, transparency or direct trade or right. in, in a way that, that benefits their, their business. But to the producer, that's, that's imposed on them, um, that point of transparency. Um, and that's, mm. that, that can be very expensive to uh, be in compliance with those standards. And oftentimes they are not, um, they're not compensated uh, for uh, incurring that expense. I feel that if cafes and roasters want to impose that, um, that ideology onto producers, 
they should be willing to be subjected to the same kind of transparency with regards to their profit and loss statements. Yeah, I, I, well, that's one way to think about it. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't, that would be a really interesting thing just to say, okay, we're going to have transparency through the whole chain because you're pointing on a really important, important challenge in this or important problem in this, which is information is just another thing being extracted out of these yeah. producing countries. So we're extracting coffee, we're extracting, you know, we've extracted resources in the global South and we've transferred them to the global North. That's mm -hmm. what's gone on for mm -hmm. the last few hundred years, right? Information is just another one of those things and it's, yeah. it's extractive. So it's going this way. So if you make your PL as a cafe owner or a roaster or an importer available to a coffee producer, or if you ask them to do that, they would call you crazy, right? I mean, that right. would be an insane thing to request, but that's no less insane than Not saying correct. to the farmer, well, how much do you pay your pickers and what's your cost of production? And, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, people are using that in this pricing negotiation, right? They're saying, mm -hmm. okay, well, I have all this information for the marketing, but I, you know, that's really convenient because I can use that information now to figure out where the least expensive coffee is in the world and yeah. apply pressure on our producers to, to lower the price because they're making too much, right? They're making yeah. too much money. <laughs> yeah, so. in inverted commas. It just doesn't seem <laughs> fair and it seems ridiculous that we're not, again, exactly. we're not redistributing the power evenly when it comes to, to these kinds of topics. All right. So folks, in the next episode, um, I'm going to give you a warning about something. We're going to talk about some regulations uh, in the, some regulatory changes that are happening in the EU. And this is this has broken both David and my brain about trying to get our head around this. Uh, but please join us uh, for this this next conversation. I hope you're enjoying the series so far. But this conversation is is really important because of the fact that there's we don't know very much about it. Um, but join us in the next episode. <laughs> That's as much as we're going to tell you about it now. All right, folks. Thanks, David. Peace, love and peanut butter, everybody. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.